Welcome to the Kupinga Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinga Coal Analysts. In each edition, I have one guest joining me, often a fellow analyst or another interesting partner, and we have a 15 minutes chat around an interesting topic. My guest today, and I'm very happy to have him here again, is Alexei Balagansky. Hi, Alexei. Hello, Matthias. Great to have you here. Usually I have you when it comes to security topics and cybersecurity. Today we are talking about something a bit different. Our topic today is enterprise databases in the cloud. And as we are both already uh, for quite some time in the market, and I think back, say, some 25 years or so, and enterprise databases were products that were relational databases. They were expensive. They were maintained uh, on-premises, of course. And there were names like Informix, Sybase, Oracle. What has changed since then? What are enterprise databases in the cloud like today? Well, uh, you're right, you mentioned uh, so many names, and some of them, of course, are no longer with us at all. Some still survive, uh, some are looking to reinvent themselves completely to kind of match uh, the current uh, completely changed uh, expectations from businesses. But I guess the biggest problem is that, in the very phrase, enterprise database in the cloud, everything is new. The enterprises have changed, the very notion of database has changed completely. And of course, we have the cloud with a totally different, if not very new anymore, but still a completely different way to store or to manage to process your data. And the biggest challenge, I guess, is that uh, we are living in a world so different from uh, what it used to be 25 years ago. That old school monolithic uh, relational database management system it just it's no longer relevant. And again, some companies uh, have not survived this change. They are no longer on the market. The others still are and doing quite well. And we'll probably be talking about specific names later. But the point is that uh, from the customer perspective, from the enterprise perspective, the database is no longer just uh, a specific product for storing a specific, well, kind of rigidly defined re relational data. A database nowadays can mean a lot of things. We now have no SQL databases. We have craft databases. We have document databases. We have time series databases, uh, real-time data stores for IoT purposes. We have uh, data warehouses and other big data frameworks. We have data lakes, you name it. And from the technology experts' perspective, those are two completely different and uh, often completely unrelated solutions. However, from the business perspective, this is still a database. And for any sufficiently large and sufficiently modern project, be it a new application or just migration of a legacy system to the cloud, it will almost surely never rely on a single type of database solution anymore. So you will never be able to just build your modern application infrastructure, let's say, only on a relational database or only on a uh, specific uh, type of database solution. This is why we are currently planning or and currently working on, on our leadership compass for this topic. And we will be looking uh, from a completely different, less technological, more business relevant perspective on these solutions. 
Does that mean that that um, you choose a database based on the actual problem that you want to solve or on the type of data that you want to store? Yes and no. Uh, you now have so many uh, different choices of a potential database to implement in your product or even more than one database that it became much more strategically important, I would even say critical for the success of your long-term project to do the right choice in the beginning. Because one of the major problems of any data management solution in the cloud is the potential vendor locking. If you make a mistake, if you choose a solution which somehow limits your scalability or doesn't give you a specific functionality you need, and you know that a different database will work for you, but you have already invested so much in proprietary protocols or interfaces that you just cannot go back without undoing all that long-term development. And in order to avoid these costly mistakes, you really have to approach the choice of your potential database much more strategically nowadays. Okay, I've learned earlier that that um, a typical reason for vendor lock-in are stored procedures so that you have code within databases, which is not portable at all, while everything else from the data model could be portable. Um, is something like that still around? I would say yes, but this is not kind of the level of uh, challenges we are talking about. Because even if you have the same database engine on-premise, but you can migrate to the same database in the cloud, then you are fine because you will just take your existing code and procedures and so on and uh, lift and shift it to the cloud and you are fine. But in that regard, when we are talking about proprietary interfaces, we aren't talking about proprietary, let's say, SQL extensions. When they are, of course, still a challenge. And if you want to migrate, let's say, from Oracle to Microsoft SQL Server, yeah, that's still a problem for your developers. But if you want to migrate from, let's say, uh, Azure Cloud to Oracle Cloud, it's a totally different level of uh, challenge, if you will. You might still run Oracle in Azure Cloud or in Amazon Cloud. In that regard, you are not limited to a proprietary interface because it will be still the same Oracle interface regardless of the cloud. However, if, for example, you want to migrate to the whole range of database uh, services offered natively by a specific cloud provider, then you are facing a totally different challenge. For example, we know that uh, in Azure Cloud, you basically have a choice of uh, quote-unquote standard databases which are running on-prem, just like, uh, it's fine. And of course, you have a number of uh, specifically designed cloud-native database interfaces. If you are looking at AWS, for example, then most of those uh, database services would be cloud-native, uh, supporting their own proprietary interfaces. If I am not mistaken, currently uh, you have a choice of over 15 database engines from the AWS cloud. Do you want your developers to learn 15 new database interfaces instead of one, even if that one is a really old school and proprietary? That's a tough choice to make. But if I think for about the say the recent press say five years back from now, and we look at the at the promises that graph databases came along with, um, that of course they talk SQL, they talk um, traditional interfaces, but they play out their strengths when it comes to using the actual paradigm that's behind that, the the 
graph approach and the and the traversal of complex graphs um, that often requires the the developer to really change the, the the way that they're thinking, don't they? In a sense, uh, you are kind of you are looking toward in, in in the right direction, if I may say so. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, the point is that uh, when you are thinking about uh, a migration project, if you have a legacy on-prem application on a legacy on-prem database, uh, and you want to make something exciting and new and cloud native and uh, massively scalable and uh, geographically distributed and so on, of course, uh, your old school database will no longer be physically capable to deliver that. Even if you just lift and shift your whole application infrastructure, including your database to the cloud, which is perfectly fine for some scenarios, and it will still work fine. It will probably even work faster than on-prem and will be cheaper to operate. But it will be just that lift and shift. It won't give you all those new fantastic capabilities of the cloud. But as soon as you are starting to evaluate those new fantastic capabilities, you have this, I would even say, almost religious kind of choice. Do you want to go for a large combination of best of breed individual services and quickly end up with an application infrastructure which requires 15 different databases? But it will be the, the fastest and the smoothest time series database. It will be the most secure and scalable blockchain. It will be the fastest and uh, the cheapest uh, data lake. But it will be a mess of a dozen of different uh, application stacks and interfaces. Or do you want something which is, let's say, quote unquote, good enough, but which will give you a single set of interfaces? a set of tools which your developers are already knowledgeable with. And of course, it will give you the opportunity to query all your data from a single source instead of juggling, uh, let's say, some data from a relational database with some graph data and some files from a data lake. And then you would have to run an additional level of abstraction just to make a, a query across those three sources. This is this fine balance or for which there is no single right answer. It uh, depends only on your project's requirements and time scale and budgets and skills and so many other factors. Right. Some, some databases that I've seen in the cloud come with the promise of being multi-model so that they are graph and they are relational or at least they mimic this functionality and even more key, uh, key value pairs and all this kind of stuff. Do they deliver on that promise? Well, or... I guess some probably do, uh, some others maybe not yet. Uh, if you have a choice between like a large and established vendor like Oracle, for example, on one hand, and yes, their database is uh, it, it promises to be multimodal and deliver that single uh, querying capability across different data models, which at least on paper sounds extremely interesting to a developer. But of course, uh, uh, an Oracle database is still a monolithic piece of software. You cannot run it across, or you, you cannot build a, a database which would kind of seamlessly span different uh, cloud regions. And of course, uh, if you if this is something that you are looking for, you would probably be looking for some cloud native uh, solutions like NuoDB, for example, or if you are okay with uh, NoSQL approach like MongoDB, 
these are the features they were specifically designed for, how to grow across multiple clouds, for example. And then again, you are you have to either learn a new set of interfaces or you have to rely on those uh, connectors, uh, converters, or kind of emulation layers, because some of those modern databases come, for example, with like an Oracle emulation level. Okay, got it. Um, maybe for the for, for the final minutes of this episode, let's shift the focus towards um, a feature that Kupinger Cole is really always very much interested in. That's, that's compliance, that's governance, that's security and data protection. The more organizations are moving critical data into enterprise databases in the cloud, the more they will require data protection, encryption, data hiding, all mechanisms that make sure that access to this information is really only granted to those who should have. Um, how is the market here? Is Are they capable of protecting strongly this data in the cloud? Well, this is, first of all, something which cannot be solved with one single approach. Uh, actually, last year, we have released a leadership compass on specifically focusing on database and big data security solutions. And as we can see, there is also this uh, agony of choice, if you will. You can uh, rely on uh, built-in security controls of a specific database, which, of course, have a massive advantage of being uh, within the database core, so they are faster, more reliable, sometimes even more secure because they have access to the, kind of the intimate internals of the database engine. On the other hand, uh, those have uh, a major flaw in that they are not vendor agnostic. So as soon as your project involves more than one database, either you have to install more than one database security solution, or you have to look for additional alternative approaches that, for example, focus on securing the information and not the database. And again, there are some really interesting aspects of that information-centric, data-centric security, which you could probably discuss in a separate episode. If there is one takeaway from this one with regards to database security, that database security in the cloud is not something which comes free with your cloud contract. So yes, the cloud provider will secure the infrastructure your database is running on. Sometimes they will even encrypt your data in the database. But it's still your own responsibility if something breaks, if, if the data is leaked. Because this is how the shared responsibility model for the cloud works. So if you store your data in an insecure uh, S3 bucket on AWS, and it leaks, you, know, you are responsible, not AWS, for example. The same applies to any kind of database in the cloud. Okay. As we're getting to the end of this episode, what I've taken away is that people interested in more details around that topic should be carefully waiting for the leadership compass that's upcoming about enterprise databases in the cloud. In the meantime, they should pick up the uh, leadership compass for data security that you just mentioned, database security and big data security. That was something that they should look into. And um, I know that you have already executed a, a set of uh, webinars around that topic with, uh, with various vendors, which they could also have a look at at our site. Um, anything else that you would recommend where people can learn more than we could convey in just, say, 15 minutes? Well, first of all, I have to add to the list you already mentioned that the data security in the cloud 
uh, is impossible without securing the cloud itself. So uh, I, I think we have quite a lot of research published on cloud provider selection and assurance of what to look for in a specific cloud service provider when you are signing a contract with them. And of course, security and compliance is a huge aspect of that. And I'm sure that we have all those major providers covered in our research already. And of course, we are always open to specific questions and we are ready to support you in any future project. Okay, I think I, I will the latest invite you for that topic again when the Leadership Compass um, is published so that we can dig into more details here uh, for the time being. Thank you very much, Alexei, for being here with me again. Some final words from your side? Well, thanks again for having me, so to say. Definitely looking forward to discuss uh, some of these topics in more details. Or of course, uh, looking forward to, to uh, do uh, this uh, in a more visual form, uh, like a webinar or a physical event when this whole pandemic crisis is over. So stay safe, stay healthy, and looking forward to meeting all our attendees sometime in the future. In real life. Okay, thank you very much, Alexei. Thanks to the audience for their time, and uh, I hope that was valuable to them. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.